Hi, fantasy readers. This is Corinne Norton, your fellow book binger, and you are listening to the Finding Fantasy Reads podcast, where you can test out a new fantasy story every single week to find your next favorite author. Today's story features a shepherdess, a storyteller, and the magic of dangerous decisions. It's written by M.H. Woodscourt, who is the author of 12 fantasy novels with plenty more coming. One of my favorite things in her bio is that at 10 years old, she wanted to write a story about her imaginary friend, who was a funny young man with a penchant for lying. Then, after watching Lord of the Rings 16 times as a teenager, she understood what fantasy could really mean. And because of that, her imaginary friend did finally find his home in her Paradise series. I'll be narrating today's story, so stick around to the end or check out today's show notes to see where you can find more from the author, as well as how to enter our giveaway. For now, please enjoy Forsaken by M.H. Woodsport. A glint against the sun lifted Song's eyes from her weeding as the beat of hooves on the puddled road thundered through her ears. She tensed and hunched down in her garden, where the scent of wet loam from the recent rain teased her nose. She stifled a sneeze and let the leaves of a weed tickle her cheek. A spider scurried across her knuckles to avoid a tiny puddle. Song tracked its progress until it vanished over the row of unsprouted carrots behind her. The glint flashed again as a dozen of the Emperor's knights galloped into view. The polished armor blinded Song. The knights raced down the highway, all but one. You, girl! Song bounded to her feet and rubbed mud from her tunic. She kept her voice low and level. Yes, honored sir? Mounted atop a beautiful cream horse, wearing the lotus-crested armor of Emperor Ma Jing Li, the knight looked like a bard's vision. Song stiffened against a chill. Vision or not, it inspired the memory of an illusion. The lotus meant nothing now. Have you seen a traveler along this road in recent hours? asked the knight, even as his black eyes roved the garden, the well, the hut where Song's little family slept. No, honored sir. Not since yester-eve. Who traveled the highway then? Song tucked a strand of black hair behind her ear and lowered her gaze. A cobbler, honored sir. He travels this way each spring. The knight grunted. Fetch me some water. Song bowed at the waist, trotted to the well, and fetched up the bucket of water glistening under the warming sun. With measured steps, she brought the dipper across the muddy ground and onto the road. The knight took it and sipped, while his eyes never held still. He gave the dipper back. Should you see any strangers, report them to your magistrate. There's a dangerous fugitive along this road. He's trying to cross into Amontir. If anyone should report him, they might be rewarded. He sank his heels into the horse's flank. Ha! As the knight galloped after his fellows, Song allowed her shoulders to slump and let out a low breath. She weaved her way to the well hung her dipper on its nail, grabbed the rope to lower her bucket back into the dark hole. Could I trouble you for a drink, dear lady? Song yelped and spun to face a stranger. He was Xingyi's like her, but then his eyes were light, like the turquoise hues of a deep lake at noon. He smiled at her, warm and soft, like a candle's flame. His hair, though raven black, held streaks of snowy white, as though the brush of age had stroked him. Yet he couldn't be older than thirty. Song glanced up the road, then to the threadbare man. 
Are you the fugitive those knights sought? The man's smile stretched a little higher. I am, but I am harmless, so please don't be afraid. Song squinted down the road. Where were you hiding? Across the highway, under that rotting oak, though I didn't mean to hide. I had merely taken shelter and fallen asleep during that thunderstorm. Their horses woke me. The half-dead tree slumped to create a dark blotch of shade near the road. Song nodded, then turned to gather water for the man. I don't wish any trouble to fall upon my humble house. She faced him and offered the dipper of water. Drink and then be on your way. The traveler smiled even deeper. I thank you. I am Jinji. A Shingi's name. He must be of mixed blood. I am Song. Jinji sipped the water, then licked his lips as he lowered the dipper. It is an honor, Lady Song. He drained the last of the water and handed the dipper back. I'll be on my way. He pressed his hands together and bowed at his waist, straight-backed, graceful like a courtier in the emperor's palace. Then he unbent and started for the road. His steps were light and carefree, not at all the furtive, hunted gait of a man running from justice. Song eyed him, a knot lodged in her throat. He looked parchment-thin and pale as the down of a dying dandelion. Threads hung from his fragile shirt. His pants were bags against his slender legs, and the vest he wore over top had lost all its buttons. His shoes, what was left of them, slapped the muddy earth like a duck's paddle feet. Just a moment, Jinji she called, then clamped her lips against her rebellious voice. He turned, those pale eyes like bits of sky turned to gems. That smile, so radiant, so kind. What sort of fugitive did those knights chase across Xing? Song's fingers twisted her tunic's hem. Come inside. Rest a while. I'll give you a little food for your journey. The traveler's eyes flitted up the highway, then back to her. I thank you but I don't wish trouble for you any more than you do. It's no trouble unless you dislike rice. That smile tugged again at his lips. I have no qualms with rice whatsoever. Well then, she tugged on her tunic and released it. Come, quickly. It won't be long before the knights return by this road. They cannot cross the border into Amantir. Am I so close? Jinji's eyes darted west. I'd not come by this route before now. I wasn't certain how long until I reached Amantir. It's not four miles from here. Hurry. She stepped backward toward the hut, beckoning him to follow. His gaze lingered a moment longer on the westward road. Then he obeyed and strode into the one-room building after her. Song pushed the door shut behind him and turned to seek Grandfather. A single window filtered the faint light of the sky gathering new clouds. Grandfather rested upon his straw-woven mat, chest rising and falling in a steady motion. Song padded to his side, knelt, and shook him. Wake, Grandfather. We have a visitor. The old man lifted his eyelids with a few fluttering blinks. He turned his dim eyes to Song and managed a weary smile. What manner of visitor honors us, Songbird? I am a storyteller, Jinji said, and crouched beside Song. I am honored by your hospitality. Song stared into his eyes as he gazed down on Grandfather. She shifted. You cannot be fully Shingyi's. Jinji turned those eyes on her. I am half Amantirin. 
She nodded. Is that why the Emperor's knights chase you? Grandfather hefted himself upright. Is it now a crime to share the blood of our neighbor country? Jinji's smile held the gentle caress of a rose petal. They do not chase me for my lineage. Song sucked in a low breath. Are you dangerous? I am not. Grandfather rustled his blankets as he shifted his feet to the floor. I heard a rumor that Queen Berin does not allow storytelling in Amantir these days. Is this so? It is so, honored sir, said Dinji. Song's brow arched. Why then do you seek to cross into that land? His shoulders lifted in a gentle shrug. I must. Grandfather rested his slender fingers on Song's shoulder. A barking dog will start a chorus, Songbird. She dipped her head, then rose to approach the hearth. There is rice here. Please, let me serve you. She waggled her fingers at cushions set around a low makeshift table. Jinji eased himself onto one cushion and waited in silence as she dished the plain rice into a clay bowl. As she set it before him, he smiled up at her. I thank you. She sat on a cushion beside him, though Grandfather seemed content to sit upon his mat and stare out the window at the cloudy sky. Song watched Jinji eat a few bites of his dinner, while her finger traced the knots in the table. He set his bowl down and swallowed. Have you always lived here? No, said Song. We escaped from Jinsha during Kriteria's invasion. The life of a shepherd is much quieter than we're used to, but welcome. Do you like sheep? Song grimaced. They're the dumbest creatures in this green world. Jinji chuckled. So they often are. Song's fingers pinched a grain of rice near Jinji's half-eaten bowl. She rolled the grain across the wood surface. They would die for no reason if I looked away long enough. Where are your sheep? Jinji glanced toward the door. Grazing. My brother watches them in the afternoons. The storyteller nodded. I used to tend sheep, though I confess I enjoyed it. Song's grimace deepened. I will sell you mine if you have the sense to stay in Xing. Amantir is no place for peaceful folk. Kriteria will soon march into its fair lands and turn their fields to ash. Jinji smiled. Even should your offer tempt me, Lady Song, I have neither the funds nor a desire to remain in Xing. She frowned at the table. You have forsaken your country? No, Jinji sighed. It has forsaken me. Her eyes lifted to find his face. Sorrow etched lines into his brow and carved hollows under his strange eyes. A weight pressed upon him. Stay the night, Song said, and blinked as she comprehended her words. What was it about this fragile wayfarer that provoked such impulsive invitations? He was a wanted man, and though he didn't evoke any cause for fear, she shouldn't take risks with the knights so close by. They could strip her of her last bastion of safety and the last dredges of her honor. Jinji searched her face, and his smile warmed into glowing embers. Again, I thank you, dear lady, but I should press on. A heavy knock rattled the door. Song sprang to her feet as her heart jumped into her throat. Jinji eyed the door with mild wonder, then rose to his feet. 
Song jabbed a finger at the washtub brimming with murky water from bath day the evening before, and Gingy crept to it, steps silent as Song inched to the door. He sank his feet into the water, crouched, turned, and nodded before submersing himself in the brackish liquid as another knock shook the hut. Song unlatched the door and swung it open. The knight who had spoken to her earlier proffered a glower. About time. I am sorry, my lord. I had been helping my grandfather to stand. The knight cast a glance toward the old man. His brow arched. Then he flicked his eyes on her. We request the right to camp on your land and make use of your well. It's too late to head back to the capital tonight, and we're still seeking the fugitive. His eyes scoured the room, lingered on the bath, flickered to the fireplace. As you please, honored knight, said Song, tugging on her sleeve. What is mine is yours. The knight grunted. He started to turn, then looked her up and down. Do I know you? Song's muscles tensed, but she eased her lips into an innocent smile. No, honored knight, I think not. I am but a shepherdess of Lingtep province. She scratched her wrist. The knight shrugged and stepped back. Provide food for us, and we'll make it worth your while. She bowed. As you wish, honored sir. As he strode toward his mounted fellows, Song kicked the door shut and whirled toward the tub. Jinji emerged from the water, coughing and sputtering. Song trotted to his side, snatched a towel from her hanging laundry, and draped it over his dripping head. I didn't expect this, she whispered. Jinji shook his head, still coughing. When he'd conquered his lungs, he lifted his sodden face and offered his calm smile. It cannot be helped. I shall play least in sight, and pray they do not discover me, for your sakes. Song rubbed her collarbone and glanced at Grandfather, whose dark eyes glittered in the growing gloom. He shook his head. No sense in panicking, Songbird. We must endure whatever this life delivers. She sighed and rose as Jinji pulled himself from the tub. Droplets splattered the hard-packed earth under the storyteller's worn shoes. I know. Her soft tones tickled her ears like a distant song. The door burst open. Song whirled, fingers reaching for a sword that wasn't there. Yin stood in the doorway, his twelve-year-old frame trembling, eyes wide, hair a tangle of grass and sticks. Knights in the yard! Song whisked to the door and snapped it shut. We know. Yin had found Jinji, and his brows shot up. Who is this? A guest, and not one those knights should know anything about. Wash your hands. Yin tromped past Song to the basin near the washtub, but his eyes never strayed from Jinji. He plunged his hands into the water basin and splashed around while he looked the storyteller over, a smile tugging at his lips. He doesn't look fierce. Song shrugged. Why should he? Because the knights are seeking a fugitive who broke the law. They told me so while I was watching the sheep. He doesn't look like a criminal. Yin lifted his hands from the basin and shook the water from them. Use a towel, Yin, said Song. He's not a criminal. Yin tilted his head to one side. Then why are the knights seeking you? Jinji raised a hand when Song opened her mouth to berate the boy. I'm afraid I offended a magistrate from Krytir in the emperor's court. He didn't care for the story I told. Song stifled a snort. What did you do? Bore him? 
cry-tear scum appreciate very different artistry than we here in Xing. Jinji offered a gentle shrug. Perhaps I did. My stories are not always well-received. You tell stories? Yin approached as he flung a towel over his shoulder. He sized Jinji up again. Like a bard? No, laughed Jinji. I do not attempt to sing for my living. I fear it would have an opposing effect. He ruffled Yin's tousled hair. The boy let him and even smiled. Song stared. When had Yin last let anyone touch him? Will you tell us a story? asked Yin. Jinji glanced at the door. I suppose I cannot leave tonight. Perhaps I shall, after I help your sister prepare a meal for your guests outside. Song moved to the hearth and knelt before the coals. Yin, bring water in from the well. Oh, very well. Yin danced to the door, slipped out, and shut it tight. Song stoked the coals until flames licked at her stick. The fragrance of wood smoke and ashes wafted up from the hearth. Forgive his enthusiasm. I don't mind. I enjoy the company of children most of all. Jinji patted to her side. How may I help? Knights won't be content with plain rice. See that bowl? It has salted fish. Remove it from the fermented rice. They'll eat a fortnight's rations, but we don't have a choice. Jinji obeyed, and soon Yin returned with a sloshing bucket. Song set about pressing fresh rice into balls, while Yin scurried back outside to find boards to use for trays. Jinji cleaned the boards when Yin returned, and soon a meager heap of rice balls, salted fish, and a few precious mandarin oranges adorned them. Song and Yin carried them outside to where the knights had started a large fire. Several tents fluttered in a chill spring wind. The knight, who seemed to be the spokesman of their group, eyed the boards with a frown. It'll do. It's all we have, honored sir, Song said. He grunted and took the board from Yin. A second knight accepted Song's burden, while a third man in armor fetched a few coins from his silk purse. He handed them to Song. Song folded forward into a bow. Thank you, honored sir. We'll want to bathe, said the first knight. Your water looked dirty. Drain your tub and warm more water. We'll take turns using it. Song stiffened as she rose. As you wish, honored sir. Her eyes glided over the group of knights. Twelve. So many. Too many. We wouldn't mind a little company, a knight shouted from among those huddled at the fire. The others laughed and whooped their agreement. Song's eyes narrowed. You may eat my food and share my water, honored knights, but that is all. Laughter rippled through them. Not if we command otherwise, said the knight who had paid her. Song held her chin high. Yet as knights of Xing, with a proud lineage and the honor of our emperor's grace, I know you would not. Only the demons of Kritir would assert their authority to steal the virtue of a Xingyi's woman. Is this not so, honored knights? Dark eyes darted away from Song while the first knight smiled. Spoken like no peasant I've ever met. Song held his eyes. War makes peasants of all, Sir Knight. She took Yin's wrist and led him back into the hut. Weren't you scared? asked Yin when the door snicked shut. Song drew a breath. Of course I was, but fear must be overcome, Yin, never given into. She reached out to rub his head, but he dodged away 
and pranced across the hut to where Jinji fed logs to the fire. The storyteller smiled up at him before Yin crouched at his side. Song choked back a sob, let the boy alone. At least he trusted someone. A knock sounded on the wood behind Song. She flinched and spun as Jinji and Yin tensed. Song opened the door an inch and peeped out into the growing gloom of evening. The knight stood on the walkway, his expression less detached, more human. He had removed his armor and stood in the silken embroidered raiment of a wealthy lord. He lowered his hand and offered what must be an apologetic smile for a proud knight. Forgive me and my men. We often forget our manners on the road. Song offered a curt nod. Quite all right, honored sir. Good night. He caught the door before she could latch it and pushed the barrier open a few more inches. I must ask. I told myself to leave well enough alone, but I must know. Are you the Lady of Crimson Lilies? Please tell me. I won't divulge your secret. Song stared out at the night. His face, young now that she looked, glowed with earnest yearning. He might be a few years older than her, only twenty-two or three. No, honored knight, Song whispered and pressed the door toward him. I fear you're mistaken. He caught the door and held it fast. I know I'm not. We met once at court. I watched you dance for his imperial majesty. Your grace is unmatched. I should have seen it before, yet in your peasant garb. Please, sir knight. Heat burned her cheeks. You're wrong. No. He shoved the door, and it slipped past Song's fingers to bound into the room, revealing all. The knight's eyes trailed past her, froze. His hand fell to his sword. Song caught his wrist, twisted it. Come in, sir knight. She wrenched him inside, snatched the dagger at his belt, and slipped behind him to kick the door shut as she pressed the weapon's point against his spine. His musky scent curled over her nose as she leaned close to his ear. Move slowly. The knight's breaths shortened as he obeyed. You've hidden the fugitive. You've betrayed your country. Silence. Yin, fetch water for the bath. The other knights will think less of his absence that way. Right. The boy snatched up the bucket and sprinted out into the night. The door slammed behind him. Jinji straightened up from the fire. I feared this. It's my fault for insisting you stay, Song said. She led the knight to the table. Sit. The knight lowered himself to a cushion as Song let the dagger follow his path. The knight glanced at her from the corner of his eye. You can't think you'll escape punishment for this. Not only have you sheltered the storyteller, but you've threatened an agent of the emperor. I'm guilty of the former. Song said. But I see no Shingi's agent here, merely a pawn of the Crytear invaders. Now, hush. The knight's cheeks colored, but he stayed silent. Grandfather hobbled to the table. Songbird, this won't do. Best we answer the knight's questions so he understands all. Song scowled. So he can turn us in for worse crimes than the telling of stories? So, the knight inhaled. I'm right. I am, aren't I? You're the Lady of Crimson Lilies. She twisted the dagger's point against his flesh until a blossom of blood appeared on the fabric of his robes. He hissed. Why does it matter? Song whispered, 
Do you crave two rewards rather than one? I, I just wanted to know. I promised I wouldn't tell anyone. The word of a Crytear spy means nothing to me. The door thudded open. Yin dragged the bucket inside and booted the door shut. I ran into one of the knights. He asked about this one, said his name is Sir Kosa. I told him he was waiting for the first bath. Good, said Song. Get that water warm. Jinji padded forward to help Yin bring the water to the cauldron hanging over the fire. They poured the bucket into the cauldron, then together dragged the wash tub to the front door. Yin alone dragged it outside, and Jinji shut the door. He turned to meet Song's gaze. This cannot go on. I shall turn myself in in exchange for your family's safety. Grandfather spoke over Song. A noble sentiment, storyteller, but a foolish one. It is too late to save us. But you might escape, meanwhile. Jinji shook his head. I will not escape at the cost of other lives. He sighed. Let us not quibble over choices that are not ours to make. If our lives are forfeit, so it is. A smile dusted his lips. I, for one, am curious about the title Sir Kosa has given you, Lady Song. I've heard it once before, or something very like it. Song lowered her eyes. It is nothing to speak of with pride. I am ashamed of it. But why? gasped Sir Kosa. She clenched her teeth to resist an urge to kick him. I told you to stay silent. Your meddling has condemned my family, and I should gut you this very moment. Sir Kosa shifted until his eyes met hers. Despite what you might assume, I'm no spy for Crytear. I despise the invaders as much as you. But in such times, I can do nothing but bend like a reed to the fierce winds of the bloody-handed tyrants. That does not mean my pride isn't wounded. That does not mean my loyalties have switched from our rightful emperor to the demon emperor of Crytear. Why do you think I chase mere storytellers across Shing? I hold no favor in the present court. Yet you obey the Crytearian magistrates? Of course. Kosa dipped his head and sighed. I have a family. I must protect them. His gaze lifted. What I don't have is the courage of the Lady of Crimson Lilies. Song looked away, heart heavy in her chest. Jinji moved toward her. Why do you condemn your actions? Were they wrong? Song jerked her eyes up to stare into the storyteller's pale face. You know nothing about that day. Nothing. Jinji's calm eyes held her gaze until she blushed at her outburst. Yet she couldn't break away from his stare, couldn't shout defiance at his penetrating, knowing look. She trembled. What had he seen? What had he done to understand her so? How did he convey that understanding so well now, in silence, in sorrow unspoken? Tears collected in Song's eyes until her vision shimmered. She lowered the dagger. It is true, she whispered. I am the Lady of Crimson Lilies. Jinji's hand found the dagger and pried it from her fingers. You have been forced to violence already. Shed no more blood, Lady Song. Sir Kosa turned, and his hand settled like a weight upon her shoulder. I won't try to escape, and I won't turn you in. You have my word as a knight of the lotus. Why? I am a traitor. You're a heroine to your people. A true patriot. 
Emperor Ma Jingli himself would pardon you if only he had the authority. Song blinked until her tears dried up. Jinji smiled at her, and Kosa shifted to stand beside him. The knight bent to one knee, took up Song's calloused hand, and kissed her knuckles. Lady Song of the Crimson Court, I am honored to meet you. Song shuddered. What honor was there in her actions? She had failed to protect her kin, failed to defeat the invaders, fled before the blood prince of Krytir and his elite blood knights. I don't deserve praise. The door banged open. Sir Kosa raced to it, hand on his sword, though what enemy he might expect, Song couldn't say. The knight relaxed, and a moment later, he and Yin dragged the empty tub inside. The knight closed the door, then helped Yin pour the cauldron's boiling water into it. No one spoke as the two filled the cauldron with another bucket of water the boy fetched from the well. Grandfather returned to his mat upon the floor, and Song wrapped a blanket around his frail shoulders. The old man gazed out at the cloud-glazed moon and sighed. As the last bucket of water warmed within the cauldron, Sir Kosa seated himself at the table, and Jinji, Song, and Yin joined him. Silence clung to the air like the stillness before a thunderstorm, and Song's thoughts drifted backward into the spaces of her memory she longed to forget. Jinji sipped at water he'd poured into a clay cup, then cleared his throat. His pale eyes landed on the crackling fire. There is a land called Shinok. It is the fairest land that ever dwelt upon the shores of Nakania. Fairer than the gardens of Amantir, or the spires of Krytir, or the waters of Shing. Within its woods and fields, its mountains and fens, its dales and bottomlands, live the fae and magical. Fairies, elves, dragons, unicorns, the wise and ancient creatures you think only to dream of. Jinji's eyes drifted from the flames until they settled on song. The storyteller's gentle smile soothed the aches of her soul. Long ago, because of man's greed, Shinok vanished from our world. But some still see true, and those who do might glimpse the way to Shinok. That's pretty, said Sir Kosa. Did the Criterion magistrate take offense because he tried to see true and couldn't? The knight's chuckle died as Jinji's grim gaze met his eyes. Truth is dangerous in any age, but most of all in times of war. The storyteller sipped his water. There are many tales of Shinok I might share, but one stands above the rest in this hour. It is short but relevant. He set the cup down. His eyes pinned Song in place. A fair and clever princess of that fey realm caught the notice of a powerful warlord intent upon conquering her country. He used dark magics to steal her away as she slumbered. When the princess awakened in a dark castle, she despaired, but looked for a way to escape. As Jinji spoke, his words weaved a kind of spell upon the air, and Song fancied she stood in the dismal castle. The odor of dank water and beeswax candles curled over her face. Ahead, in the dim corridor, a figure loomed. The warlord. Song shrank back, but didn't flee. Beside her, the fair princess stood in calm defiance. The warlord strode forward until his eyes caught the flame of the candles set along the stone walls. You will remain here and become my queen. The rumble of his voice held the memory of storms. 
The princess lifted her chin. I will not. It is the only way you will preserve your family, the warlord declared in quiet tones. Scorn me, and they shall perish. The princess fell still. Ask me again on the morrow. The warlord agreed and vanished in the darkness. The princess retraced her steps through the castle, taking in each detail along the halls. Tapestries, armor on display, windows, portraits. Within her borrowed bedchamber, she slept through the night. When morning arrived, she dressed herself, left her chamber, and soon reached the same corridor where she had met the warlord yesterday. He stood, waiting for her. I have made my decision, she said. The warlord approached. When he came close enough, the princess pierced his heart with a sword she had robbed from a display of armor. If someone must die, let it be a tyrant, she said, as the warlord fell at her feet. Tears rolled down her cheeks, but she never wiped them away. She stood, severed the warlord's head, and took it with her when she returned to her kingdom. Upon finding the warlord's head speared outside the walls of the princess's kingdom, the invading army retreated. The clever princess became a noble queen beloved by her people. Jinji's voice faded, and the image of a flourishing kingdom rolled away to reveal the hut and all within it. Song blinked, then shook herself loose from his spell. She sighed. A pretty tale, storyteller, yet not so relevant as you think. She protected her kingdom, yet Xing is conquered. Jinji shrugged. There are other dissimilarities. You are no princess, only a lady of a faded court, and no warlord wished to wed you. However, in sentiment, the tales are very alike. Song looked away and swallowed hard against a lump caught in her throat. Sentiment. Ha. But your efforts weren't meaningless, my lady, said Sir Kosa. Your actions saved every noble lady gathered in the Crimson Court that day. You protected the Empress. How well Song remembered. But not all had lived. She hadn't taken up her sword, a sword she had only ever used in her court dances, to win the day. She had taken it up in anger, because the blood knights of Krytir had murdered her mother, father, and younger sister in the night. And so, she had marched into the crimson court of the Empress, ahead of the knight's intended carnage, mad with grief, brave with wrath, and set herself against the army of men, until every one of the Empress's courtiers and attendants had escaped. Exhausted, weeping, Song had finally collapsed to her knees, but none of the remaining enemy knights cut her down. They'd merely stood watching her until Aridel, Blood Prince of Krytir, arrived. He'd listened in silence as one knight described her fierce defiance while his eyes roamed the garden court. Blood dyed the lily pond. Knights lay where they had fallen around Song in her mad dance. The Blood Prince knelt before her. Go, he'd whispered. Run. She had, somehow. She hadn't stopped running until she reached her mansion, the home of her youth. There she found Yin still alive, hidden in the nook where Mother had tucked him before the enemy cleaved her head from her neck. Song had found Grandfather next, still in bed, left alone, perhaps because one Krytir soldier couldn't bring himself to slay an ailing old man. 
Song and the remnant of her family fled with other noble-born refugees, taking what wealth they could hide, just enough to buy a parcel of land on the edge of Xing, hundreds of miles from their former life, to raise sheep and live on salted fish and rice, and try to forget all they'd lost. Song never forgot what her hands had done. She never forgot the redolence of iron in her nose, the feel of flesh under the bite of steel. A hand caught her arm. Let it go, Lady Song. Jinji's soft voice floated into her mind like the lilt of a nightingale. She grimaced. I can't. She met his eyes, warm, gentle. His smile lapped against her aching soul. Perhaps not yet, but the blows will soften in time. Soften? She scoffed. I have carried these sorrows for five years. Yes, he nodded. You have carried them like a burden you must never cease to grasp. Yet what good does it do to hold on so? Bury the dead, Song. Let them rest in peace. He caught her fingers in his hand. It is time to lay your guilt down beside your blade. His eyes broke free of her gaze, and he turned. That must be said to you as well, Yin. Your mother's death is not your fault. Be at peace. Song let her gaze drift to her brother. The boy stared at Jinji until his eyes brimmed with tears. He bowed his head and sobbed. Song's heart throbbed as she listened to the boy's grief. A burden he had carried for so long, saying nothing. How had she not understood his pain? How had she not whispered those words to him years ago? A tear slipped from her eye. She swiped it away. Another fell. A veil of ice cracked inside her chest. She slumped against the table, buried her face, and wept. Morning dawned, bright, gold-flecked. Birds trilled. The sheep bleated outside. Song peeled herself from the tabletop and brushed the black hair from her face. She sat alone in the hut but for grandfather slumbering in his makeshift bed. A flood of last night's memories brought her to her feet, and she sprinted to the door, wrenched it open, sprang outside. The odors of hay and soil assaulted her nose. No sign of the nights. No sign of the storyteller. Yin sat in the far field, across the road, tending his flock. Song stared. What had transpired? She'd fallen asleep crying. How could she be so foolish? Sir Kosa must have been waiting for just that kind of idiocy to escape with Jinji in custody. Yin waved at her. Song didn't wave back. Had the knights taken Jinji into custody? A horse whinnied. Good morrow. Song whirled to face the westward road. Sir Kosa sat atop his steed in full armor, a smile on his lips. She stepped forward. Honored knight, Sir Kosa lifted a hand. I haven't much time, my lady. My men are waiting up the road for my return. He gestured eastward, but I had to make certain Jinji crossed safely into Amentir. I thought that the best course, after everything. Song shook her head, even as her heart pounded in her chest. I don't understand. The knight's smile deepened. The storyteller and I spoke for a long time last night. He told me things about myself I... I guess I'd forgotten. He sees things. Sees truth. 
I can't cage truth. So I let him go. Song let out a slow breath. I'm glad of it. What about your men? Sir Kosa shrugged. I told them to wait while I made a last run to the border, just to be certain we hadn't missed the fugitive. They never saw your guest. I thought they wanted baths. I There's an inn only a day's ride from here. We can wait that long. Song's shoulders slumped. Thank you, honored please, my lady. Sir Kosa will do, if I can't persuade you to call me by my given name only. Song shook her head. That wouldn't be proper. Kosa shrugged. I won't insist. That would be disrespectful. He inclined his head. Now, if you'll excuse me, Lady Song, I must move on. He lifted his eyes. It was an honor to meet the Lady of Crimson Lilies after all these years. In the capital, you're a legend. He paused, and his eyes drifted west toward Amentir. Perhaps there are many legends in the making in this strange age. Song followed his stare. Her heart warmed with the image of pale eyes and gentle calloused hands. New legends are born every day in every age, Sircosa. We are lucky to witness their passage. I hope you enjoyed listening to Forsaken by M. H. Woodscourt, narrated by Corinne Norton. If you want to read more by Woodscourt, go to mhwoodscourt.com to find more of her books. I will also have a direct link in the show notes to her brand new short story, Jinji's Curse, where you can discover how Jinji and the Blood Prince first met. I have read this story and I loved it, so I highly recommend checking it out. Make sure you enter this month's giveaway, which includes a signed paperback copy of The Shattered Arch by M.H. Woodscourt, as well as a beautiful foil bookmark. You can enter over at findingfantasyreads.com giveaway. It might surprise you to know that the most time-consuming part of this podcast is finding stories to feature. I have dozens of short stories on my Kindle because I've signed up for dozens of authors' emails to get them. I'm typically looking for stories that draw me in, stories that will work for my brother or me to narrate, and stories that aren't too similar to other stories I've already featured. If you know of one I should feature, whether it's your own or someone else's, I want to hear about it. Check out the contact page on the website where you can find an application form for authors as well as a contact form for readers. Reader nominations are great because they're usually unbiased recommendations, and author applications also save me time because I know they're authors who already want to be featured. I can't guarantee every nomination or application will be featured because there's only one per week, but applications and nominations get bumped up ahead of the dozens of random ones downloaded on my Kindle. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening and happy reading.